I always knew I would burst that bubble and walk right through and create a pathway for us that like to get dirty. You know, that want to be a part of, yeah, I can do it, he does, you know? We can do it together. Good morning, this is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Construction, electrical, and carpentry are just a few of the most male-dominated industries in the country, but data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that the number of women in fields like these is steadily increasing. Still, in most cities, only around 10% of construction workers are women. There are still a lot of barriers. Some women struggle to be taken seriously, feeling they have to work harder than their male counterparts. Others were simply never exposed to the line of work. But with the help of labor unions, these jobs have historically been a ladder to economic mobility for men, and they can be for women too. So as Women's History Month comes to a close, we asked two female union workers about their experiences working in a male-dominated industry, misconceptions about unions, and more. Today, Epicenter's editorial director, Danielle Himes, talks to Caridad Castro. Caridad is an instructor at the Training Center for United Brotherhood of Carpenters and chairperson of the Local Sisters in the Brotherhood Committee. So I was just hoping you could kind of tell me a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you are. So I'm an instructor with the uh, Carpenters Training Center, the New York City District Council of Carpenters Training Center, and I'm the chairperson for the Sisters in the Brotherhood Committee for our district council. Uh, I was recently just appointed, I think in the end of December, as the chair. As far as my journey, I've been a carpenter for 12 years now, a union carpenter for 12 years now. But I got my start in construction when I went to Job Corps in 1995. I went there, uh, like many students go, uh, just looking for some direction or a career. And uh, I ended up taking a bookkeeping class. And the company they sent me to was an electrical contracting company. And I didn't think anything of it. Quite frankly, until my boss like sent me to a job site in his place, which was kind of crazy because I knew nothing and I probably looked the most out of place out of anybody there who was at the meeting. But I did find the job site fascinating, so I decided to then, when I was looking for my own job, to try to focus on construction companies. So I started doing like more bookkeeping, office management for small subcontractors. And then I saw a sign on a bus for a pre-apprenticeship program for women and it just called me like I saw it and I was like that's it like that's how I can get on my, on my tools because I didn't really know too much about the union or how women get on construction jobs at all like in my mind your father or your brother or your uncle gets you on the job I didn't know like a pathway for women uh, so I joined the pre-apprenticeship program I completed that and that led me to becoming a carpenter and that's what I've been doing ever since. You said for several years you were just like working with your tools. What does that mean? Yeah. You're getting sent to different job sites. Yes. Yes. So all my tools means I'm actively going to job sites. I'm actively working. So like now I'm off my tools or I'm not on my tools because I'm not on the job site. So yeah, so I was on, on my tools for about seven years, almost eight before I got off of my tools. And that's also considered rank and file? Yes. Yes. Okay. And what was the general attitude of all of the union guys toward you? Mostly favorable, I would say. Mostly favorable or indifferent, right? Uh, I did have one 
older, much older guy who was kind of like, this is why I don't like working with women or, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to like figure out if they're indifferent towards you because you're just a lowly apprentice or if it's because you're a woman. Plus I'm petite in statue, so I don't have like a commanding presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. Has it become more common for women to join the union? It has been more common. I will say, though, that I feel like the last couple of years, I've seen maybe a plateau of the amount of women that are joining. It may or may not be related to COVID, right? It's hard to tell. But I have seen, I would say there's a little bit more of a plateau than when I first got in. It seemed like there were more women apprentices. There were more in the class. I mean, this... Our retention levels are low for men and women. Generally, we don't talk as much about low retention for men, but I would say I've, I've sensed the a leveling off and, yeah. Off the top of your head, do you know how many people are in your union? I want to say on or around 15,000, give or take a couple thousand. Yeah. Okay, and do you have any idea how many of those are women? About 400-ish, give or take a few there, yeah. And if, you know, if there was a woman like you back in the day when you weren't totally sure what you wanted to do and you were bookkeeping and you saw these construction sites and you're like, huh, the union, what kind of advice would you give to them? Ooh, I think construction in general is not for everybody, right? It's a very hard business, Physically, it demands a lot of your time, but it's worth it if you stay. Then let me ask you a little bit of a more general question. As a woman working in a male-dominated industry, is there any advice you would share to another woman who's also working or wants to work in a male-dominated industry? And this could be, you know, anything from, I guess, policing to finance to construction. Well, we do have to work, or the perception is that we have to work twice as hard Mm -hmm. to move up because that's just the way it is, right? So you have to work harder. You have to get there earlier. We we do have to do more, I believe, to achieve the same success, depending on what success means to you, right? I try to stress that physically it's a demanding job, right? Mm -hmm. Mentally, though mentally is really what you have to navigate the most, right? Eventually you'll get stronger. Eventually you'll develop the muscle memory. Eventually you'll you know, develop the skills. That just comes naturally with anyone who's doing it. But not getting the same opportunities as maybe your male counterparts to learn your trade. When you have people outright telling you, which they told me that they don't think I deserve the same pay as they do, because clearly I can't perform like they do, which is kind of such a weird thing for a union member to say, because one of the benefits of a union is that we're all getting paid the same, like there's no age gap or gender gap or skill gap. Right. And one of my questions for you is what is the most challenging part of your job? Do you have a different answer to that? I would say the most challenging part uh, for me personally, I think for a lot of women, is learning how to be taken seriously or figuring out how to be taken seriously. That's really hard because, like I said, you have to work twice as hard, right? So it's challenging. It can be challenging to kind of prove, hey, I'm here. I have these skills. Don't dismiss me automatically because of 
your perceived bias or like I said, I'm petite in, in, in stature, right? So, you know, I had someone tell me one time, every time I see you walking up the job site from the train, you look like you're a child wearing your father's clothes. It cracks me up every time. It looks like you're wearing a Halloween costume. And that really stuck with me because in my mind, I'm like, God, is that... Is that what I look like? Like, is that what people think? Like, I'm cosplaying or that's their, you know. So I, I would say that the, the challenge is being taken seriously. And before I get to my next question, I'm just curious now. How tall are you? Five feet. Yeah. Short. Yeah. <laughs> Short, yeah. What has been the most rewarding part of working for the union? If I'm, if I'm limiting it to just, like, being in the union part, right, uh, as opposed to non-union, the pay is great, the benefits are great, I'm working towards my pension, and as someone who started late in the game, like I said, I was a, I was a 35-year-old, it's great to know I am going to get uh, a pension check, I am going to have, I'm saving up for my retirement, um, I just bought a house three years ago, those are things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do um, on my own, so I think it gives me a lot of self-worth, you know, um, I've always been self-sufficient anyway, but you know, just earning all of these benefits and being able to take care of my family and, and just knowing that every hour I work is going towards my pension, it's going towards my annuity. So yeah, that's, that's for me is the most rewarding. Yeah. And yeah. I guess, let, let me ask that same question again, but just more generally, like what has been the most rewarding part of your journey as a carpenter working your way up to instructor? You know, learning the trade, learning how to cut and measure, being able to do a lot of my own work, having that skill that I can take out of work, right? So especially now that I'm a homeowner, you know, I've worked on my own house. I have my own, you know, kind of my own shop downstairs. So it feels great to be able to just do the work and learn the skill. And if I need something to make it, if I, if I need to hang something or build it, I can. So I love having a skill that, uh, that I still use, even though I'm not on my tools anymore. So just there's a lot of confidence for me and as a woman, you know, just knowing I got all my tools, I know how to use every single one. So yeah, having that skill set, the, the, the particular skill set, is it's great. Like if I wasn't working anymore, or if I, whatever, if I wasn't with the union and whatever happened, I would always still have that, right? I would always still have that skill. Danielle also spoke to Michette Dennis. Michette is a laborer with Local 79 and the vice president of 100 Black Construction Workers. Do you think that young Michette would have ever thought that she would be a construction worker with Local 79? No, not in a million years. But I do know that I didn't see myself at a desk or being a cashier. I didn't see me doing what they would put a woman in a bubble to do. I always knew I would burst that bubble and walk right through and create a pathway for us that like to get dirty. You know, that I want to be a part of, yeah, I can do it, he does, you know? We can do it together. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be a part of that. What has your experience been like being a woman in this industry? It hasn't been really easy, you know, being a female in a male-dominated field. But at the same time, you grow a certain type of skin. And it's not to say that it has to be tough. When you're in construction, people have to understand you don't know what other people's walks of life is. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that uh, you, as a woman, you bring a different type of aura to the job. 
And it's not to say that it's a bad, a good or a bad thing, but it can be something that someone can lack thereof, whether it be a smile, whether it be a fragrance, whether it, it's a, a good morning. You learn like those little things can make a person feel comfortable. You know, you try to shy away from that. Have I ever faced any harassment in the field? No. Has anybody ever come at me in a derogatory way? No. But you can sense that it can go that way. Right. And I just want to go back to something you said to clarify. You said something about women, you know, maybe it's the way they say good morning or they wear a perfume or they smile. Are you saying that it's easier if women avoid doing those things? To an extent, you can definitely smell good, but you don't want it to be that you're owning the floor. Some, to some people, that can be a distraction. You understand what I'm saying now? Instead of the guy doing his work, he's trying to figure out where's the lady at on the floor. Understood. Because that's happened. I've seen a guy putting up some duck work, and, you know, one of the ladies they just came from, I don't know what she was doing, but she sprayed a little bit too much, and the guy was like, damn, what is that? And I was like, <laughs> wow. You know, it was cute, but he's all the way up on the ladder, and his partner is trying to get the duck up, and, you know, he damn near broke his neck. So right. it's like, all right, I'm, I know I'm not going to smell like that. And then you get the guys that start talking to the women that say good morning, and now y'all saying good morning, but now his foreman and your foreman are looking at both of y'all having this conversation when y'all supposed to be working. Right. Do you have any advice for women who want to succeed or climb the ladder in a male-dominated industry? I'm, I'm talking about construction, but I'm talking also more generally, you know, policing, finance, a lot of these industries that are dominated by men. Just be who you are and stay firm and stand on what you mean and don't hesitate. Don't think twice. Don't second-guess yourself, you know. And just keep smiling. Keep smiling. What do you enjoy about working for a union as opposed to a non-union job? I haven't ever been on a non-union job, I guess, if you want to say H&M, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because they hadn't had that. But me working for the union is the best thing that could have ever happened. It's a breath of fresh air. It's always changing. I can walk the city and say, look, I helped build this city. You know, I can walk and say I was a part of this project and um, it's just never ending. As Machette said, women like her helped build New York City. It's important to recognize women who build their communities every day. We recently spoke about the women of hip-hop who inspire New Yorkers as the 50th anniversary of hip-hop approaches. I hit the streets with fellow reporter Malik Brazan reed to ask our neighbors about which female hip-hop artists inspire them. You can find the full story linked in our show notes. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.